let's look at John chapter 1, which is the text of our message this morning. And it's in your bulletins, front page of your bulletins. John chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Now I realize as I'm reading this, yours is in um, the New Living Translation, right? And so you would see this, in the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him. Nothing was created except through Him. And His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So let me look at this genealogy of Jesus through the eyes of John. And I want to say this. That this Christmas story has shattered certain concepts, that human concepts and perceptions that we've had. Let me explain to you. The moment heaven invaded earth, things shifted. Ideas shifted. Alright? The first thing that shifted is the concept of time. John says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. What John is saying is, Jesus has no beginning and has no end. Jesus is not restricted <coughs> with the temporal time that we go by. Our past can be spoken into by Jesus. Our present can be spoken into by Jesus. Our future can be spoken into by Jesus. And He's, he's, he's coming to earth was not limited by our ideas of time. The time zone of heaven has invaded earth. Jesus came and he brought eternity with him when he was born. This has a significant effect on us as we connect with the Lord, right? Our concept of time must change. We must now start looking at life in the eyes of eternity. If we don't look at life in the eyes of eternity, we will get tripped up. We'll look at the temporal and see the pain and suffering of the temporal and it'll affect us. It'll affect the way we read scriptures. It'll affect the way we relate to God. Because if we think that life ends after, after death, right, we will be, we will, it'll affect the way we read scriptures. But life doesn't end up after death. Eternity begins after death. But what happened was, in Jesus' life, when he came to earth, eternity began from the day he was born. The Christmas message is saying to us, shift the way you look at time. Because eternity has invaded the temporal world. <coughs> the second concept I want to talk to you about, and we I'm going to look at it in a practical sense, but I just want to introduce this to you. John talks about him existing already before, right? Um, then he talks about in verse 3, God created everything through him. Nothing was created except through him. The concept of power has also 
been redefined. When Jesus came to earth, John is saying, now you will know who created you. Now you will know um, through whom you were created and everything that has life on earth right, has been created and sustained by him. And so the one who has come to earth sustains life, created life, and in and through him all things. Nothing was created except in Jesus Christ. So our humanity is seen in the con context of Christ's creative and sustaining power. The third thing John talks about is the concept of life. He gave life to everything. <clears throat> the, word God, the word gave life to everything that was created. It's interesting. He created life and then he gave life to creation. Our mortality is seen in the context of Christ as the source of life itself. You know the story of um, the poor man, Lazarus, and the rich man? Can anybody tell me the name of the rich man? No name. But it's an interesting story. Because here, the story, this is where the invasion of eternity and um, uh, the temporal life has come. So here is Jesus telling the story. He's telling the story first on earth, where we all can see it. Every day, there's a poor man sitting outside the rich man's mansion. The rich man wakes up in the morning. He sees the poor man sitting there. He sees Lazarus sitting there. And he sees dogs licking his wounds. And the hope of Lazarus, while he's on planet Earth, is if I could only get some crumbs from the table of this rich man, I can survive. The rich man wakes up, the rich man eats, the rich man goes out, the rich man comes in, and he, has, he, he ignores Lazarus, right? Then the story ends, because both die. And if eternity is not a concept we understand, the story will stop there. But the story doesn't stop there, you see? Because the story goes on to say, angels came and took Lazarus, picks him up, and he now sits in the bosom of Abraham, being cared for in an eternal destiny. Now, let's talk to Lazarus for a while. Lazarus, I feel very sorry for you. I'm sitting there in eternity and talking to Lazarus. I'm very sorry for you, Lazarus. You suffered so much, you know? But Lazarus, what do you think Lazarus would say? Don't worry about it. Come, join me. Look at the feast I have. Look at me laying next to it uh, in the bosom of Abraham. I'm having eternal life. Let's visit the rich man. The story goes on that it wasn't the end for the rich man either. He goes to a place where he is suffering. And the only thing he can think of is, if only my family there down there will get to know that there is life after death. That it is, there is, it is not about the beginning and end just on earth. There is life after death. There is an eternal judgment that happens. You see, John is saying, Jesus came and life is in his hands. And then you live your life, but your life is in his hands. 
And just because you and I stop breathing doesn't mean we are dead. We just stop breathing on earth. But the life we will live eternally is decided by the one who holds life in his hand. And so John is saying he is the source of life. And he will come from this end and decide where the rich man goes and where Lazarus goes. But be not confused. Eternity is a real time zone. Finally, the concept of light. John goes on to say, His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish light. <coughs> we talk about morality a lot. And in the postmodern age, morality is relative. You know, and we say, hey, look, you've got your own stand on morality, I've got my own stand on morality, depends on our religion, depends on how we live our lives, you know, it's up to you, it's up to me. But the Christmas message says, actually it's not up to you, it's not up to me. And morality is not judged by human standards. Morality is judged by light and darkness. He is pure light. And he, he shows pure light. And, and we've got to allow his light to shine on my dark life. If his light is not shining on my dark life, it doesn't matter if I think I'm moral. It doesn't matter if I think I'm doing right or doing wrong. It all doesn't matter. As long as his light is not shining on me, I have no light. Because he is light. And so the whole concept of time Power, um, life, and light has changed since the coming of Jesus Christ. The way you view time is no longer temporal, it is eternal. The way you view power is no longer you or I or powers of this world that hold ultimate power, but ultimate power is rest in Jesus Christ. The way we look at life, it is not I who decide where I go and what I do. It is He who holds life. My very breath is held in His hand. The way I look at morality, it doesn't matter whether I'm doing right or doing wrong the way I think it. It's His light that is the one that shines. If His light is shining on me, I am pure in light. If His light is not shining in my darkness, I am truly in darkness. What has that all got to do with you and me? Everything. And so John, as he writes that, you read on a little bit more, and you come to verse 12. And that's what I want to spend these last few minutes talking to you about. And that's on, in your bulletin as well. John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. And in your bulletin, it's also in the New Living Translation. John chapter 1, 12 to 13. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So John is saying this. Here's the genealogy. This is Jesus. This is his coming. He has come and he's shown us Right? What true time is? 
He's shown us what is true power. He's shown us what is true life. And he's shown us what is true light. And so if this is who he is, what is your response, John says. John speaks to the audience and he says to them, if this Christ child has been born, the Messiah has been born, how are you going to respond to him? And he says to us, there's only two things, right? Uh, two responses that you can have. It requires a specific personal decision. Firstly, he says, to all who believe and accept him. Two things must happen. I must believe him and I must accept him. Now, I am conscious we are all Christians. That's why we're gathered here today. But I want to say this to you. That the Christian message is a very strong message to the personal you and me. And it says to us, we must believe and we must accept him. Repentance, if you use, you'll find the word repentance a lot in the New Testament. Repentance in the Greek means this, to have a change of mind and to have a change of direction. It must affect how you think, what you believe. It must transform your entire way you view things. Your entire worldview must change. But not only must your worldview change, your direction in life, your choices in life, the way you do life must change. That's transformation. That's believing and accepting. Believing, changing my worldview. I now see things the way he th sees things. I now, my worldview is God's worldview now. But I also must accept it and put it into practice in my life. That it must transform the choices I make. I believe him, I choose to live like him. I believe him, I choose to speak like him. I believe him, and so I choose to make choices and directions in my life that lead to his destiny in my life. And so John unpacks this and says to all who believes, all who accepts him, this is what happens to them. He gave them the right, firstly, to become children of God. Let me touch on this a little bit. What does it mean to be a child of God? It's a tough thing to talk about. For me, being a child, seven years, I was away from my mother. Throughout my life, I didn't have a dad. So being a child is quite different for me. And for you, it might be different too. Being a child, right? But being a child of God is different. And it's, you've got to change your concept of what it means to be a child of God. It means to have God as your father. It means that we cannot now relate to God the way we relate normally to our fathers or mothers. It doesn't matter how great a father is. It doesn't matter how great I've been to my children as a father, right? I still fall short of who God really is as a father. Being a child of God, right, is this privilege and authority and power, right, that is given to us to now live our lives differently from how we have lived. The moment you encounter Jesus Christ, you become a child of God. Now, let me share a little bit about my life as a father. 
My first three years of marriage, well, let me say this. My first 24 years of life, I've just been a selfish human being. It was all about me. In fact, I was a perfect trinity. Me, myself, and I. <laughs> we never disagreed with one We walked after, I was happy. Then I got married. <laughs> Unfortunately, nothing changed in my mind. I just had a woman living with me. Nice woman, gorgeous woman, right? But it was still the perfect trinity. Me, myself, and I. Hell on earth at home because I was looking out for myself. And so here's my wife who's saying, yeah, but now we are two. Now we are one plus one and it's still about me. Then something tragic happened to the trinity. My son was born. When I held my son in my hand, I suddenly experienced something quite different. I didn't matter anymore. This little baby, this life in my hand, was all that mattered. The first day I remember I was holding him in my hand and he was screaming and crying because he had the hiccups. And of course, my first child, I'm thinking, he's gonna die. He is dying. My baby is dying of the hiccups. Right? And I'm holding in my hand and I'm praying to God and say, God, don't take this baby away. You know, no, do anything to me, but not to this child. And suddenly I realized my prayer life had changed. I was praying for someone other than me. I cared for someone other than me. I loved someone other than me. And I tell you, I always say this. The, the first professor of theology for me was my other son. He taught me what it is like to have a love relationship with God the Father. And you know, every day, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not thinking of my children, that I'm not praying for them, and I'm not wondering how they're doing. Right? I don't bug them every day. I don't call them if I would love to. I'd love to have a tracking device. <laughs> but it doesn't work. They don't like it. I wonder why. Um, but I tell you what, there's not a day that I'm not thinking of them, not wanting to uh, pray for them and caring for them and care only for their well-being. And I'm a wicked father, according to the Bible. Because Jesus said, you who are wicked know how to do, give good things to your children. So, I love my children. I love them more than I love myself, and I know this for a fact. But if I, as a human father, can do that, how much more our Heavenly Father? This Christmas, my prayer is that we will encounter God the Father in a new and fresh way. That he's, He thinks of us daily. We are right before His eyes. He cares for us. He loves us. And as a heavenly father, he keeps watching over us. The temporal life that we are experiencing may not, may not reveal that to us. But I tell you, look at God in eternal eyes and see that you have been given the privilege of having God as your father. You're a child of God. The second thing 
that John talks about that shifts our destiny is this. We are reborn. A funny thing, this word reborn. And Jesus used that in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus. And he explains it to us. So here's Nicodemus, a teacher of the law. He knows the scriptures back to back. He knows exactly the law. He interprets the law. And he comes to Jesus at night. Why? Because he's a bit ashamed, first of all, that he doesn't understand and comprehend these teachings of Jesus. The second thing he's a little bit concerned about is that Jesus is not very popular as a teacher. But he knows there's some truth in what Jesus is saying. So he goes at night and he talks to Jesus and he says, teacher, and he asks to be taught. And Jesus' answer to him is, actually, you can't receive my teachings unless you are born again. And Nicodemus says, how can you want me to go back into my mother's womb? Because he's thinking in the flesh. And Jesus says this, in a beautiful way, Jesus unpacks the meaning of born again. John chapter 3, verse 6 to 8. John chapter 3, verse 6 to 8. I'll read it from the King James. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, you hear the sound of it, but it cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. What Jesus is saying is, to be born again is to be totally led by the Spirit of God. To be born again is not to have a fleshly plan. To be born again is not to have a human plan. To be born again is to be so light as a feather that the wind of the Spirit, when it blows, it just carries you and cuts you to wherever the wind would blow you. In other words, when the Spirit decides something, He can rely on you to be so light feathered enough that He can, when He speaks, your, His Word lifts you up and you respond according to His Word. When he talks to you, his talk, you are so light, you respond to what he's saying to you. He, when the Spirit blows you, he takes you to where he wants. When the Spirit blows on you, he takes you to do what he wants. When the Spirit blows on you, he takes you to speak what he wants. That's how light that the Spirit has called us to be. This is what reborn means. This is what it means to be born again. Not just to say a few words of a, a sinner's prayer, which we have, you know, we have just minimized being born again. Have you said the sinner's prayer? Once you say the sinner's prayer, we package it nicely into a baptism service, and off you go. You've got your insurance. Go and live your life the way you want to. But that's not the Christmas message. The Christmas message is, that your whole mindset is changed. Your whole worldview about time has changed. You're no longer operating on temporal time zone. You're on eternity. You're no longer thinking of the powers that be on earth, but you're thinking of the all-powerful one who has come to earth. You're no longer thinking of life, the way I breathe, but life in the one who holds my life. 
You're no longer thinking of light and morality, the way we live our lives, but the way God shines His light on us. And how do you do that? You must be born again. And what does that mean? It means to be so light of everything that wears us down and it makes us heavy, and to allow the Spirit of God to lead us and guide us on a daily basis. Where the wind blows, we do not know. Where it takes us, we do not know. But sufficient to know, he was born, he lived his life, he rose again, and now he blows in us, and he'll take us wherever he will. That's life. So I close with this. I go every year to India to teach in a Bible school. The moment I touch down in Calcutta, I change my watch into Indian time. You know why? Different time zone. Can you imagine if one day I decide, no, I'm going to stick to New Zealand time, right? And so when I'm in Silicon I'll be there at 8 o'clock sharp to teach in the Bible school. 8 o'clock sharp in the morning, I'm there, but nobody's there. Everybody's sleeping because it's nighttime in India. And then, when it's nighttime, I go to sleep, but they are waiting for me to teach them in the Bible school. You know what the problem is? I'm in the wrong time zone. How many of us are living in the wrong time zone where we haven't synchronized our watches with God's time zone? We are living in a temporal world, living in a temporal lifestyle. Nothing has shifted. But the reality is, the Christmas message is, Jesus has come, he's shattered the temporal time zone, and we are now living in a heavenly time zone. Shift your watches, my friends. Live in God's time. How do you do that? Be born again. Let the wind of the Spirit blow and lead us wherever he will. Get light. Remove all the heaviness in your life. Let God speak into your time, let God speak into your idea of power. Let God speak into your idea of life. Let God speak into your ideas of morality. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon podcast. For more resources, or if you would like to support this ministry, visit us at activefaith.org.nz.